0: Let me invite you to take your Bibles and join me again in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. Today is the last message in this series. Next week, Dr. Scrivener will complete his tenure at Morrison Heights. He and Norma Jean have retired, and so Charles is going to preach next week. He's going to go out with a bang. He's going to tell you all the things he couldn't tell you for 20 years. (laughs) Or not, I don't know. But uh, I'm thankful for Charles, and I uh, look forward to hearing from him next week. But today I want to conclude uh, this study of the book of Ephesians, uh, and I, I want to do so with uh, a sense of enthusiasm, if you will. This is perhaps the second most familiar paragraph in the book of Ephesians to most people, perhaps chapter chapter 2 eight and nine uh, would be more familiar, but uh, this would be right up there. And so I want to suggest to you it's not words you've not heard before. It's not words that don't matter to you, words I'm sure that do matter a great deal to you, but I want to exhort you all the more to think rightly about these words and to apply them well in your life. So I want to read beginning in verse 10 through the end of the, the book. Finally, you know what it means when a preacher says finally? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Old preacher joke. But this is the apostle, so it does mean this is the end. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Clearly the apostle loves this church and cares deeply for them. If you read the book of Acts you will find uh, that on the occasion of his last departure from Ephesus, the elders came and uh, for more than an hour, they just wept together. He loves these people and loves dearly what God has done in their lives together. And we sense some of that perhaps, even in this last paragraph. But I wanna show you a couple of things that I think will be helpful to you as we apply these things in our hearts uh, this morning. First of all, he begins in verse 10 to say, be strong in the Lord. As a pastor, I I, want to say that one of the things that most encourages me is when I find people who actually believe what they say they believe. They act like they believe what they say they believe. In other words, people who claim to know God and believe him. Believe him that he loves them, believe them that he's at work in their lives, believes him that he is actually wise and capable and that he's not doing things in a capricious way. He's not willy-nilly, he's not disconnected, but instead, though we don't understand all that God does, how God does, why God does, when God does how Though we have many questions about these things, it is encouraging to me when people who claim they believe God actually act like they believe God. I read verses like this. I know you do as well. And you think, well, I'm strong. The Bible says be strong. I'm strong. And then, of course, we get punched in the gut by circumstances And we find out how strong we really are. Frankly, anybody can be strong. It's the argument, as I've mentioned before, that Satan uses with God as regards Job. The reason Job loves you is because you have padded the walls of his life. You've made his life a gravy train. You've given him money. You've given him family. You've given him health. You've given him all these things. If you take that away from Job, he will curse you. And frankly, there are many people who claim to follow God who do exactly that. You take away the good things, and they curse God. Of course, you know the story with Job. God did allow Satan to take those things away, and Job did not curse God. He was faithful. Having said that, this passage, verse 10 Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Reminds us that the battle is not ours. Ultimately, the battle is His. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's not your power, your strength. It's not your victory. It is the Lord's victory. And ultimately, the Lord is doing these things in our lives. There's a couple of Old Testament illustrations of this that stand out. If I were to ask you what's the most famous battle in the Bible... And you didn't say David and Goliath. I might question your Bible knowledge. So I want to turn there a moment. First Samuel 17 is your reference here. First Samuel 17. I want to show you what happens here. You'll remember that David is a, the youngest of several brothers. All the brothers are in the army. David is the youngest, so he's taking care of the family business, the sheep. And uh, his father says, I want you to take a care package to your brothers. The army is fighting near here. That, that, that whole thing just doesn't work in our minds, but that's the way it would have been done. So basically, take some bread and cheese to your brothers, and uh, they're on the battlefield over there. So go over there, and so David shows up, and, and Goliath is prancing around, mocking God and mocking the warriors of God, and mocking Saul, the king of Israel, and so forth. And uh, David said, basically, why why isn't anybody doing something? And uh, word of David's questioning gets back to Saul, because nobody wants to go fight the the giant. And he says, well, bring that guy to me. So David is called before Saul, the king, whom they've never met before. And they uh, have a little conversation. Verse 31, 1 Samuel 17, 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. He's been a man of war from his youth. And by the way, he's nine feet, nine inches tall which makes him larger than anybody here. But David said to Saul, verse 34, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. When there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I struck him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. You want to talk about manhood? grab a lion by his beard, kill him. Let the record show nobody in this room has ever done that. Nobody that we know has ever done that. But there was a man, David, who was but a youth. He grabbed a lion by the beard, killed him. Verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine, in my Bible I put the word punk. This punk Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. i've always remarked at that you know go the lord be with you but i ain't going not me i'm not going i'm not sending anybody else on this fool's errand you're gonna go out and fight that guy and you're just a young boy young man uh, there's some debate how old david is 12 13 perhaps he's just a young man go the lord be with you go the lord be with you go the lord be with you To which David might have replied, doesn't say that he did, but he might have replied, well, that's the only reason I'm going. Because if I know anything, I know the Lord is with me. You see, David's clear testimony here is, the Lord who delivered me, verse 37, from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You'll note as you jump ahead to the conversation between Goliath and David. Uh, verse 43, the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now, most of us don't pay attention to what the Bible means by what it says, but do you know what the word host actually are? Hosts. Host is the word for angels. Angels. So, whenever you see the Lord of hosts, he's the Lord of angels. And specifically, warrior angels. We have this notion, because it's Christmas, let's debunk one Christmas myth. The Bible never says that the angels sang Go back and check me on this Don't do it now, you'll ruin the sermon Go back and check me The Bible never says the angels sing It works well for Christmas music But it doesn't work well for Bible accuracy The Bibles don't sing I mean the angels don't sing What they do is they shout They say And they show up as angelic armies So on the hillside with the shepherds When the angels came to pronounce Glory to God in the highest They don't sing it, they say it They shout it because they are warriors. So the Lord of hosts is the Lord of angel armies. That's the point, he says. I come to you here in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. That's bold. I remind you that the battle is the Lord's. So therefore, be strong in the Lord. What is Paul exhorting the Ephesians to do? And that is to recognize that the battle is not theirs, that ultimately the battle is the Lord's, and that we as the people of God must rely upon His strength. It's not about David. David doesn't have the strength of a nine-footer. He's not that man, but he does have the strength of God, and God can take even the The, if you will the rudimentary weapons of a shepherd and kill a tall man a strong man i want to remind you that god knows what he's doing he's capable of accomplishing his will for you and for me and for his agenda across the ages he is very competent he is skilled beyond measure he knows what to do and when to do it and all you need to do and i need to do is to rely upon him All of us remember, those of us who are boys in particular, remember uh, as kids getting into scuffles with people perhaps that were uh, more confident than us, maybe bigger than us, uh, stronger than us, and uh, we took a licking. I have some memories, don't like to remember them, but I remember them, of scuffles with my brothers or scuffles with friends or former friends. (laughs) Uh, and so forth and you, you take a licking and you'd like to go home and you know, bring back a, a stronger ally maybe your older brother my older brother is actually smaller than me he was never any help uh, but you'd, you'd like to bring back your father I'll, I'll, I'll be back with my father he'll take care of you well I'll bring my father and with this thing just escalated getting out of hand Well, the truth is, my father never came. I never even asked him to come. Nobody else ever brought their father either, but it'd be great to know. In fact, it is rather comforting to know that there's never a day, never a day when your God is not with you. And he's doing things that are real and true. Powerful and strong. A second uh, illustration of this, perhaps in the Old Testament, is the just concluded study we've just done with Genesis. If you were here a week ago, uh, Genesis chapter 50 is the final chapter in Genesis, and there the ten brothers of Joseph who sold him into slavery are confronted with the fact that Joseph is now the second most powerful man in Egypt. And they are in Egypt and their lives, these 10 brothers who greatly violated their brother, are now at his mercy. And you'll recall the great theology of Joseph who said, don't be afraid. Because what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God sent me here to preserve life. Now you have to drill into that story to remember what all happened there. Joseph is a a young brother, and he is going about his merry life. He is not unfaithful or unrighteous. He is not picking a fight with his brothers. He's not being hard to deal with, etc., etc. He's not any of those things. But in spite of that, his brothers commit what amounts to being a great evil against him. They throw him in a pit sell him to slave holders, and they take him to Egypt, and they sell him into slavery. You'll recall that the circumstances then just deteriorated because he's accused of sexual impropriety uh, with the owner's wife, falsely by the way. He is thrown in jail in a dungeon, and there he is just wasting his life. And uh, in, in the midst of that, he is faithful. He rises to authority in the—he's sort of the head jailkeeper of all these other uh, jailed people. And uh, in the in the midst of that, he's 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 well known amongst the the inmates and so forth. And he helps them and serves them and asks them to make appeals to him. And they don't make appeals for him and so forth. And so his entire life is just one constant disappointment, one constant failure, one constant forgetfulness. And it appears if he were one of us, he might have said, God lied. God failed me. God did not protect me. God never even loved me. The Bible says it took 17 years from the time that he was sold into slavery until the time that his brothers confronted him. 17 years. How many years of wondering if God had forgotten you would it take for you to jettison God? Would it take for you to say God doesn't have a plan or God has a plan but his plan doesn't include me or there is no God? How many years would it take? I would suggest most of us wouldn't last 17 years, regrettably. And yet, this is Paul's exhortation to the Ephesians. It's my exhortation to you. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. You don't know what God is doing. God may be preserving life through you. Through your sorrow, through your situation, through your difficulty, even the sin of others, God works in the midst of brokenness. Think about it. The entire world is broken. There's not a nation on the earth that's not racked by political strife or economic strife or military strife or, or, or cultural strife. There, there's unbelief. There's, there's all kinds of sexual sin, all, all, all kinds of deviants, uh, in in every culture. We don't have a lock on these things, and and yet God looks upon the earth, and God is compassionate. God is pitiful toward us, and God takes brokenness. Everywhere God works, He takes brokenness, and He works in and among and through and by and, and with sin and sinful people. And then that includes me and that includes you. And God is doing things even today. We don't understand that. We don't understand why the political this or the economic that or the this or that. We don't understand these things. Why the personal problems and the personal challenges or the personal loss? Why these things? Why are these things happening to me? I don't know the answer to these things. I simply know that God knows what He's doing. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. What is the Lord up to? You don't have to know. It's above your pay grade. If you did know, you couldn't handle it. Just think about it this way. If you knew what was going to happen tomorrow, good or bad, good or bad. Let's say tomorrow somebody leaves you an inheritance of a million dollars. That'd be pretty good. That'd rank right up there with all the best things ever happened in my life. What would the 24 hours between now and tomorrow look like for you? We wouldn't know what to do with you. I mean, all you'd want to talk about, I mean, you can't now believe what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Yeah, can we eat lunch? I mean, you, you, you just wouldn't, we wouldn't know what to do with you because you're just, you, you just can't keep your mind off of tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Well, it's the flip side of that. What if you knew if you're tomorrow, you are have some great tragedy? What would that do to lunch? It just, it'd do the same thing, only different. It'd ruin it. Because, you see, we can't handle knowing what God is doing. We can't handle it. So God is at work. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This is the point that this letter has been making over and over and over again, that God is doing something, and he's doing it with you. This church, our part, our peace, it matters. Don't think for a moment that because we're a larger church or because we're an influential church or because we have this or that because we've done this or we've done that or whatever criteria you want to look at because we're them or not them or those or not those or anything else don't look don't pay any attention to these worldly things God does all kinds of things with all kinds of people and he's doing it with us thanks be to God he has not kept us away he has not not taking this great puzzle, this jigsaw puzzle, and taking one piece, Morrison Heights, and put us over on the shelf and said, you don't get to play anymore. Instead, what God is doing is he's doing his agenda, and it includes us. Our piece is different because we are unique, and yet we're not special. We're thankful that God is using us and that God is using your life and my life, and all of our lives are pieces of this larger piece And all of our lives cobbled together and so that every one of us matter. And so it matters that every one of us are on board with this. every one of us are strong in the Lord. Every one of us lean upon the strength of His might. Every one of us. There's no person here who's excluded from following God and following God well. We must do this. So we must help one another. Various times we get a little weak we get a little lonely, or we get a little sad, or we get a little discouraged, or we find ourselves caught in sin. We've got to come alongside those people, and we've got to say, what's going on? What's going on? How can I help? Let's work on this. You need somebody to love you. You need somebody to be with you. You need somebody to help you. That's why we're here. Be strong in the Lord. His strength. He goes on. He gives three exhortations, and I want to show you these quickly. Number one, he says in verse 13, get dressed. Be strong in the Lord. Get dressed. The first thing you do is you get dressed. But in this case, you get dressed for battle. Now, when the world hears the word battle, they think, Churches are all a bunch of militants. Well, we're not crusaders. We're not militants. We're not interested in taking anybody's heart or faith or life by force. That's not what we're talking about. Instead, he uses the analogy, if you will, of a suit of armor. So he says, Take up the armor of God, not not the armor of man, but he likens it to physical armor. So you'll note the pieces of the armor here beginning in verse 13. There's a belt, there's a breastplate, there's shoes, there's a shield, there's a helmet, there's a sword. Uh, People over the years have gone to great lengths to sort of draw the typical armament of uh, a Roman soldier in that day. Of course, this would have been in the first century, and the Romans ruled the Mediterranean world, and that, that would have been the typical picture of armament. So take up the armor of God, and you'd have all of these different pieces. But you'll note that these are not physical pieces so this it's a belt but it's not a physical belt it's not a not a belt you can touch it's a breastplate but it's not a physical breastplate that you wear on your chest it's shoes but it's not shoes at all it's they're they're not physical pieces they're spiritual and and we know this because it's the belt of truth it turns out the belt of truth is Is not A physical belt The breastplate of righteousness It's not a physical Breastplate Peace, faith, salvation Spirit So take up these things In other words the things that ought to characterize your life Truth, righteousness, peace, faith Salvation, spirit Those are the things Get dressed Get dressed with those things Make sure those things are present in your life Are you a person of truth That's how you stand firm. That's how you walk in the Lord. That's how you follow Christ. That's how you manifest strength in the Lord. You you commit your life to truth, righteousness. Is righteousness a part of your life? Is peace and faith and spirit and salvation? Are these things characteristic of your life? Are you putting these things on? Paul uses that very metaphor in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, chapter 3. Put off put on. He uses this sort of clothing practice. Put it off, put it on. Put it off, put it on. Take that off, put it on. We all know what that's like. We, yesterday, Saturday, maybe you had something to do. I came to church last night, but before church, I wasn't wearing church clothes. I was wearing grungy clothes, but I had to put those off and put on something else. Because I had to stand before the congregation, put off, put on, get dressed. Get dressed for what's appropriate. Get dressed for the need of the hour. Get dressed for this moment. Get dressed. That's Paul's point. Don't just coast through life. Don't, Don't just act like somehow your contribution to all of this is insignificant. It's not. You're a part of the kingdom of God, you're a part of this local church. What are you doing? Are you prepared? Are you dressed? Get dressed. That's the first thing he says. The second thing he says, verse 11, is to stand. Stand. I want you to note he uses this again and again. Verse 11, he says it again into verse, verse 13, stand firm. Then he, the very next verb, verse 14, stand again. So in the span of four verses, he says it three times. Stand, stand, stand. Again, you're dressed in armor, spiritual armor, and he's not looking for you to go out and and be some sort of militant who's going to force or command or, or dictate, but instead you're going to stand firm. You're going to take your place and you're going to stay there. As for me and my house, this is who we are. This is where we're going to be counted. This is The one that we follow this is the name we bear this is the reputation that we will not compromise on this is the work that we're committed to we're faithful we're faithful to our task there's another aspect of this you'll notice it says in verse 11 put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil what does that mean what does that imply to you i'll tell you what it means it means the devil is coming And he's coming for you. Get dressed. And take your place. And stand firm. Because he's coming. Brothers, we don't live in a culture. And frankly, there's never been a culture. that is amenable to the ways of God. The flesh of men have seen to that. The lusts of the eyes and the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life are present in every culture. And we're in a battle. We're in a battle against the devil, the schemes of the devil. Now, he's a schemer, which means he's not going to just line up the entire army and come at us at a full frontal assault. No, he's a schemer. He's clever. He's sneaky. He's a liar. So he'll work through regular channels. He'll work through worldly constructs. He might work through your family. He might work through your job. He might work through your marriage. He might work through your church. He might work through your across-the-fence neighbor. He might work through somebody that you suspect, maybe somebody you don't suspect, but he's at work because he's a schemer. And you better be ready. You better be ready because he is... He's got armies also. He's got armies of unbelievers. He's got armies of angelic demons. He's got armies. But remember, He's not as strong as our God, He's not as strong as the one who leads us. We don't have to be afraid. Let me say it clearly. I am not afraid of the devil. And it has nothing to do with me. I'm not afraid of the devil because of me. I'm not afraid of the devil because of my faith. I'm not afraid of the devil because of my experience. I'm not afraid of the devil for any earthly reason whatsoever. I'm not afraid of the devil because I have a relationship with the God who is the Lord of hosts. The devil may be nine feet nine inches tall in my life and I don't have to be afraid. I can be like David and say I come against you in the name of the Lord of angelic armies and I will cut your head off. I will stand against you but I will stand against you in the armor of God. Peace, righteousness, faithfulness, the gospel. I will stand against you in this with the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. I will stand against you, not so as to somehow save my life, but I will stand against you so as to proclaim that there is a God in heaven who keeps his word, who is true. The the pages of history are littered with people that God has rescued, and they're also littered with with the people of God that God has not rescued. There are righteous people who have died in the cause of pursuing God and following God. This life is not the ultimate test of whether or not God is true. There is a heaven, friend. There is a reward for those who love God. And we will live our lives until we're done and then we fly away to glory We don't fly away to misery. We don't fly away to disappointment. We don't fly away to lies. We fly away to glory. Thanks be to God. So don't fear the one who can kill the body. That's the devil. Fear the one who can abandon the soul from glory. You don't want to get to heaven and see a no vacancy sign. Well, the good news is there won't be one. For those who know him and love him and stand firm. So stand firm, be strong in the Lord. Get dressed and stand. That's the first two things. And the third thing, verse 18, is to pray. Praying at all times in the Spirit. And you'll note how he describes this prayer. Pray at all times, in other words, it's to be constant. Pray in the Spirit, that means it's according to the Spirit. Keep alert, in other words, be vigilant. Persevering in prayer. In other words, it's to be consistent. And then he says to, to pray the, that there would be words given to him. Paul asks for a specific prayer request. We are to pray constantly according to the Spirit, to be vigilant and consistent, and we are to pray specifically. This is the nature of what it means to be a warrior of God. We pray for The advance of the people of God, advance of the name of God, advance of the cause of God, advance of the gospel of the Son of God. We pray for these things, and we pray for those who are busy doing these things. It's not merely a religious game. I think sometimes we talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and people just sort of throw their minds in neutral, and their eyes glaze over, and they say, well, you're going to talk about prayer again. That's just what religious people do. Talk about prayer. Actually, religious people actually pray. they pray because there's stuff going on I've said it through this series I remind you chapter 1 he says we we're fighting cosmic battles Chapter 3, he says we we war against principalities and powers. Chapter 6, he says stand firm because there are forces of darkness that are marshaled against us. It turns out that if we knew how big and bad the enemy was, if we could see him with these eyes, if we could understand him with these minds the Lord has given us, we, we might in our flesh be completely overwhelmed. But the good news is God has not told us specifically all the details about These enemies of God and these servants of Satan that are arrayed against us. He's not told us these things because I'm pretty sure we'd be outnumbered and overwhelmed. Instead, he's spoken in generalities and he just says this I want you to get dressed, I want you to stand at your post, and I want you to pray for the advance of the gospel. I want you to understand that what's going on here is way above your pay grade. That it turns out church is not a game. It turns out that when we pray or when we sing or when we stand and preach or when we go to a class and we open the Bible and we say, thus saith the Lord, it turns out that is not just religious gobbledygook. It turns out we are actually engaging with the Lord of hosts who is himself at war against angelic demons. And there is a battle royal going on in the cosmos that you and I know nothing about. Our job in the meantime, until we do know more about it, until we do get to glory and understand what we don't understand, until then our job is to get dressed, stand at our post and pray. Do what we're supposed to do. Do our job because he's coming. The devil's coming. And the Lord Jesus is coming. And there's going to be a battle. Bible tells us there's going to be a battle. But you're not going to star in it. In fact, you may be a casualty in it. You may lose your life in it. I don't know. But I know this, that the good guys are going to win because he's the Lord of hosts. So stand firm and be on his side. And if a bear comes, he'll grab him by the beard and cut his head off. If a lion comes, he'll grab him by the beard and cut his head off. If a giant comes, he'll throw a rock, bear it in his forehead, and he'll drop like a cheap suit. And if the devil himself comes. Revelation 19 says that there will arrive on the battlefield a warrior. On a white horse. And a sword shall proceed from his mouth. And with one word. He shall fell him. David needed one rock. And Jesus needs one word. Understand this, friends. There's stuff going on that we don't understand. Fine with me. My job is not to know it all, understand it all, figure it out all. It's not my job. My job is to get dressed, get to my post and pray for the God of angel armies to take care of business. And as he comes against me, he really doesn't care about me. That is when the enemy comes against me, he doesn't care about me. He just sees me as a pawn. He wants to get through me to bring down the God who loves me. So if I have to give my life in the pursuit of God, in the defense of God, in the advance of God, so be it. Because the God who loves me has secured for me and secured for you, if you love him, a home that is eternal. And it doesn't involve war anymore. No more sorrow, no more sadness, no more tears, no more dying, no more of all the things that are wrong. Thanks be to God. Look to God today trust him believe him hope in him keep his word put on the belt put on the breastplate put on the shoes put on the shield put on the helmet and take up the sword of the spirit praying at all times may god give us grace to do it together jesus name let's pray father thank you for loving us thank you for your kindness today it's good to be with your people. Good to be in the church. To recognize, Father, that we are not unimportant. We're not non-essential. We're not something to be trivialized or trifled with. The world, the world says the church doesn't matter. Or the church has seen its better days. And the church has become a bit of a dinosaur but we know better because the church is not man's idea it's not man's institution it's not man's agenda the church is your people gathered in your name seeking to follow God together give us grace to do it well to get dressed to stand firm and to pray father take our little And use it in the advance of the gospel around the world today. We pray for your help. Oh God, help us today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.